Hello and welcome to the Be Better podcast where we believe any and every area of your life has a little more potential that you can tap into to change the course and trajectory of your outcomes. My name is Clarissa Parody and I am your host and I have worked and trained in the worlds of business strategy, leadership, and performance. And I am the person who believes in and creates success where there appears to be ceilings. And if that sounds like something that's in your world, your reality, and something you want more of, welcome to the show. It is a great day to change your life. Let's go. Welcome back. It has been a minute. The Be Better podcast. Today I am here with one of the most fabulous, funny, and cute humans I know, who also is one of the scariest people simultaneously if you put her in a gym setting. This is Sarah Dickey. And I, we, you know what? I can remember the moment I was like, I need to have her on my podcast. We were chatting. We were pausing between box jumps at some point, And you had talked about something. And I was like, we, you should be on my podcast. And I remember what it was, but we won't have that conversation right now. But I am so excited that after me um, messing your schedule up several times, you still agreed. Oh my God, I am so happy to be here. This is the best. It's, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. I'm so excited. I also feel terrible about your new computer situation. Oh, I just like, why do we have to like reinvent the wheel all the time? Like, I don't want to buy a dongle. Also, dongle is the dumbest word in the world. I can't help it. I can't help it. It doesn't, it just always sounds sexual to me. Right? Like, it just always sounds sexual to me. It, it can't not. Like can't I've got not. a drawer of dongles and dildos. Like that just makes sense. Am I allowed to say that on here? I don't know. He did. <laughs> I have, I don't, everything's, uh, I, I tend to accidentally swear because I tend to accidentally swear regularly. Yeah. And uh, so it's always rated as explicit. So it's fine. Perfect. Perfect. We'll really set the tone here. <laughs> I, when we when I saw you this morning, I was like, well, I'm pretty sure it'll just be me laughing and Sarah saying <laughs> things. And I think so far I was correct. I mean, it was the best intro I've ever had on a podcast. Let's be real. <laughs> I am scary, but also adorable. Yeah. Like you, it, I think you can actually be that much scarier because you're adorable because people don't <laughs> see it coming. So what I always tell people when I'm like, I don't often like yell, like I'm a very like kind person. I don't often yell, but when I do, it's horrifying. <laughs> it's like when you see your dad cry, like like it's so sad. Like, you know? Feelings? Hold up. <laughs> it's a very wild moment. I don't know how I feel about this. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's something else. Uh, I just need to show you how much of a millennial I am right now. I have organic electrolytes in a mason jar with a straw. I'm uh, sure the straw is loaded with BPAs, but everything else is very millennial of me. I have like a Starbucks cup with Mio. <laughs> Potato, potato. That's amazing. You got to stay hydrated, folks. Stay hydrated. Well, Sarah, people don't know you and I do. So let's talk about you and a little bit about who you are. So if you were to describe yourself currently in this moment, how would you describe yourself? Oh my gosh, that's wild. Um, So I am a mom-to-be, which is probably like the most exciting thing in my life right now. Um, married to like the greatest human in the entire world. Um, he is really my better half and um, a bit of a workaholic who um, loves like I love my job and I love both my jobs. I um, do a lot of like online influencing and then um, also a regional manager for an awesome optical. So I think that's like me in, the, in like a nutshell. I'm also like loud and obnoxious and like horribly unapologetic for who I am. Which I love. I think the transformation that happens, like when I see you in the gym versus online, it's just the same version, just a different expression, right? Yeah, like, like a little bit more makeup. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> you're not in just stretchy clothes. 
I'm like, the stretchy clothes are the place to be. I am currently, you can't tell, but I have stretchy bottoms on. And I, my top is very stretchy. As I think mine, knit. mine both are. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's the only way that. that- it's the way to be. I'm like, if I'm going to sit for a long period of time, we are not wearing jeans. Who can business casual? Like, why would I want to wear dress pants to an office or I'm going to sit at a desk all day long? Like, that's horrible. This is where I'm okay with things being reinvented. If you reinvent, when I can remember when, like, dress pants had more stretch, I was like, fine. Okay, I'm sold. Yeah. I can get on board with this. But if you want those, like, stiff slacks. Get out of here with your Molina pants from Maurizia <laughs> that cost $184 and are so uncomfortable. But they look so good when you stand So up. good. I have three pairs. <laughs> Get out of here as I buy three. Okay. So you are a regional manager. You yeah. didn't start out in the world of retail though. I don't believe. I, I did. I've been oh, retail since I was, yeah, right. I been oh retail since I was 14. Right. Cause you hate Christmas. I mean, you don't hate <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> so the, I read one of the times I ran into Sarah, she was actually Christmas shopping and I was puzzled. I was, I was floored. I ran into you and you, you're like, I spent several hundred dollars because of you. And I was like, that's so many. I'm like, my house doesn't even look that Christmassy. I mean, it does now because we put up a tree, but yes. Yeah, so I started off in retail, have been in it literally my entire life. Went to university for something completely different. I have a degree in biological evolution of genetics, which like, cool. Um, and, but just like love retail. I love interacting with people and that it's different every single day. And I love that you get to like run your own business with someone else's money, which is yes. like really nice. It allows you to be entrepreneurial without necessarily having to be an entrepreneur. Totally. And you, I mean, you still have skin in the game and there's still things that you can cause and create. And you have the resources of someone else, which is something that, and, and a team. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't all fall to you. A lot falls to you. Totally. So but not, much. but not all of it. You're like, oh, thank God. Say, yeah. Someone else is taking care of the insult of that vinyl. <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's amazing. And like it, like you said, like you get to be entrepreneurial without doing it or like without being the true, like you are an entrepreneur. So I hate saying that, but like I have a team of incredible people that support me and I felt more like an entrepreneur than ever being a big right. Nelson. It's like allowed me to really like flex my wings and like have a voice and be a person that's heard. Um, and I think that's helped me become like creative and more confident in the long run and like who I am as a person. And then also who I am as a business person. That's so cool. That's, that's one of the reasons like, I love being in business. You, if you would have told me I would ever have <laughs> much like you, my degree, <laughs> not business. Um, but it, it, it allows you to generate something and have an impact in a way that you weren't expecting. I was like, this is much better. I much, as much as I value research and trust me, I value research, but I'm like, I can't even access some of the articles I would have written or contributed to because I don't have academic access anymore. And I'm like, well, that's a very small audience. <laughs> and I it. just feel like, I love that you have to like make a big impact having a team. Like you, your impact is so different. Like my, like not core value, but like my mission statement, I guess, as a human is like, I want to leave everything I touch in a little bit of a better place. Um, and that's like, so when I go into a store every, you know, every day, I want to leave that store or the people that I touch in like a little bit of a better place. I don't want to change the world, but like a little bit better every time. Um, and I think that like, you get to do that when you're exposed to the public and you're around a big team all the time. Absolutely. What would you say your favorite part about your job is? Oh, that's really hard. Or favorite um, parts. Maybe yeah, it's a yeah. couple. List of I, th- I think, um, my teams are my favorite parts by far. Mm. Like it's been really cool to watch them like grow and develop over time. Um, and then also just like the, like the autonomy that my company gives us to like make decisions and make changes is probably like 
the coolest thing. Like I, I can action things that I know are going to work and like then see like the fruit of our labor pay off. Oh, that is so cool. I, yeah. I, I heard once, you know, satisfaction and fulfillment isn't necessarily about the end. It's about the, the progress, like seeing the movement. And that sounds like a lot like what you're saying. Like there's just a little bit better every day. You get to see a little bit of impact. And that is so fulfilling. That yeah. is so fulfilling. And I can remember, I, I don't know if you had this growing up, but I had um, a parent <laughs> who like would sh- like shit on retail. And yeah. I think my favorite job of all time has been retail. And for either from a landlord perspective or from a te- like a vendor perspective, I've always, I've always loved it. It has such a it's, soft spot to me. It's so fun. And I remember like, even my parents, like when I was like managing like urban outfitters back in the, the day, they're like, oh, you know, like when's it, when's it time to like grow up and get a real job? And I'm like, I'm managing $10 million in this business. Like I have 80 staff and I play with $10 million each year. Like that is wild. And I think once I explained it to them in like that sense that like, this truly is like a business. I'm a business person. They're like, oh yeah, checks out. And then they always like stood up for me when their friends would be like, well, my kid's a doctor or a lawyer. And they'd be like, cool. My daughter's an entrepreneur. And like, she's out there crushing it. So good for her. That's awesome. That's so awesome. Okay. So 10 years ago, or 15, maybe before that, because 15 years ago, would you, what would you have predicted for yourself? What would you have said? Mm, this is what I think I'll be. Um, 15 years ago, I was a body piercer, which is like hilarious. And I was convinced that I was going to, I don't know if you know how I did that. Um, I was thought I was going to be a piercer for the rest of time. Um, so me and my brother's plan was actually to open a comic book shop slash body piercing studio and just work there together and own it together. Um, I totally think that I also thought I would be like single forever and never have kids and just like live this like life of leisure where you ladies at lunch and yeah, that's what I think I thought. So not what I am doing. Not at all what you're doing. I have so many, I was like, this is a podcast, but it's also like, I get to, I get to date you for a whole hour. (laughs) I love it. All about you. And I'm so excited. I so you, you planned to be a lady who lunches and no children, <laughs> you know, the comic, the comic store combo with piercing feels very actually like a great co-brand. Right. I think like that, there was like one in Edmonton for a while. And I was like, this was my idea. You don't, have you ever read <laughs> big magic no. by Elizabeth Gilbert? Okay. So she, I'm rereading it for the fourth time. And, uh, cause I just needed it. It's all about creativity and not necessarily like writing music, but the generation of things. Yeah. So ideas, whatever. And I was like, I, I just usually this time of year is when I feel like a lot of juice is flowing and I, I knew a new year's coming. So I want to make something. So I'm reading this book again. And one of the things she talks about is when, and I, there's a person she knows that was ends up being a poet, but she had, when ideas came to her, she could hear the poem coming from afar and she would like race to find an idea before it left her. Cause her premise is that creativity, like ideas are muses and they come in and out. And if the idea gets ignored by you or isn't actioned quick enough by you, the idea is like, well, I'm going to find someone else. I'm going to find someone who will, who will make me. And I was like, I kind of love that. I it do feels, too. It's, you might like the book. It's a very, it's very, it, it gave me a lot of hope that any idea that I've left fail, that was a good idea. Hopefully <laughs> someone else is doing it. And the fact that ideas often want, since they want to be birthed, they'll happen to a few people at the same time, which is when you'll see like the discovery of X happening multiple times in the same era from people who don't know each other. 
that's really cool disparate places of the world especially this was common like back before we knew what a light bulb was <laughs> like it, that, those kinds of historical moments where they happen multiple places and people are like i was the first i was the first i was like no the idea was there you just got to be a conduit and so that I, it's like a fun way i want to read this book you're gonna have to send this to me i will it's so okay. good but it reminds me of your t- of your uh piercing slash comic idea if someone else yielded that that's pretty cool because that yeah. idea just really wanted to be expressed that's so fun Okay. So you had mentioned that you were kind of like, you wouldn't have predicted the current life you had for yourself. Not even a little bit. No, I never wanted kids. I never wanted to get married. I didn't think that life was for me at all. Um, until I met Bryce. Okay. Let's hear about Bryce. Like I, it sounds like that was a really like a critical moment that changed your life for you. Um, so Bryce and I actually met probably 10 years ago. Um, he was a customer at Urban Outfitters and he was dating on the book table and I was like, that boy's cute. Um, and we like talked for a little bit, made it at a bar once, which he doesn't remember. So Bryce does not remember our first kiss. It's fine. Um, <laughs> and then we both dated other people, um, which I think was like really magical because we both were not who we are right now mm. at that time in our lives. Like the timing wouldn't have worked out and we would have right. like wasted this like really incredible thing. Um, so about five, we've been together for five years. So five years ago, he slid into my DMs and he's like, I've been like watching you on Instagram, super creepy. Um, and he was like, it looks like you're single. Do you want to grab a drink? And I was like, I'm actually going to Mexico tomorrow, but as soon as I get back, I would love to talk. Like, I'd love to, why not? Didn't really think much of it, but we kind of just like texted like sort of nonstop. Um, for like that week and like a couple days afterwards. And I was like, oh no, like I'm in trouble. This is the man I'm going to marry. Um, and we went on a date and I was like, crap buckets. Like I'm actually going to marry this man. Uh, and we said, I love you on our second date and have been together. I mean, ever since I really remember being like, so do you want to like on our first date? I think I was like, so do you want to like be my boyfriend or something? And he was like, who are you? Let's just escalate this. <laughs> Quickly. Like so aggressive. And I totally didn't believe in like love at first sight. I didn't believe in like soulmates or true love or any of those things until I met him. And I don't know that I believe in like that you have one soulmate. I think that that's like actually really depressing. Um, but I do, I do believe that like I've met my match and like my life is better because he's in it. I had the pleasure of meeting Bryce in real life recently. And I said to Sarah, I was like, you make me believe in love. (laughs) He's he's pretty good. He's a, I get like so gushy when I talk with him, which is so unlike me. I'm such an independent person. And like, it's, it is really hard for me to be like interdependent or like codependent or whatever. And I don't think codependent, but like interdependent, like depend on someone else, um, to like help bring me joy. And it has been like a really wild ride for me, but just like giving up that trust and like giving him that piece of me has made me like a more whole person and just like a better person. Um, and he's like helped me become more patient and probably more tolerant. And he's also helped me like become way more confident and speak my mind better. And like, he believes in everything that I want to do more than I believe in it and push it. I'm going to cry and I'm pregnant. That's why. Um, and just like pushes me to be the best person ever. Oh my gosh. That's so nice. Uh, Sarah knows I've tried, I'm trying to date. I'm trying, I'm trying. <laughs> and so this is giving me hope. You'll find I, it. I, yeah, you know, well, I, at the very least I'm, I have more hope 
than before. Uh, and I think attitude changes everything. So what I love about what you said is that it sounds like when you allow yourself to be with a person that, I mean, different people bring out different facets of you. Totally. And it sounds like he really softens you and, and gives, it's almost like he holds space for your greatness. I, I you know what, it, like he, yeah, he's like the best, like, he's the best like hype man I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and just like wants me to explore everything that brings me passion and drive and gets me excited. And it's really magical. I'm so happy. And now I want to know what brings you passion and drive and gets you excited. Oh my gosh. Um, I think that like the thing in the last few years that has like really helped shape me is just like sharing, I guess, like not my story, but sharing my life with people on the internet and like the things that I've gone through, I've had, you know, some like pretty big ups and downs in my life. And I've like, I think like most 35 year old women had like a lot of struggles with my body over time. Um, and so I think just like building that community and like building a, a group of 400,000 of my closest best friends um, has like really helped me get really excited about just like the all everyday things and like talking to people and sharing my tips and tricks for like feeling confident and building a great outfit and just, yeah. That's so fun. I mean, you, okay. So I, I can remember, I, like, I had no idea that you were an influencer when I met you. Yeah, I don't like, tell people very often. Well, I, I was like, I'm just like, I want to be her friends. So I'm fine. I'm like stalking people on social media. I was like, this girl's, she knows she has this many followers. Like, I don't know if she knows. And I thought what was so cool is that you do these things where you, you have creative expression. And so you, you tell your story, you share your things. And the fact that you, I can't remember who you do this with often, but you guys challenge each other to outfits. Zoe. Yeah. Zoe. And I, your creativity, I was like, I should really find out what's in my closet. Cause I don't think I actually try anything new ever. I have, yeah. a, I have a uniform I've made for myself. <laughs> And I wear it. <laughs> and so many people are like that. And I'm like, you guys, there's like so much in your closet. It's so fun to shop in there and so much less expensive than buying new pants all the time. Yes, this is true. If you were to pick a standard Sarah outfit, what would that be? Um, Something animal print. So probably like a snake print skirt was like my go-to, like ripped tights, Chelsea boots, leather jacket, black crop top. Is like so, a very Sarah outfit. Like fashion forward, a little edgy. Yeah. Self-expressed. Got it. Yeah. That's so like cool. to feel like a little bit punk rock. Had like very punk rock roots growing up. So trying to like keep those alive at 35, which I don't know if that's appropriate, but oh well. <laughs> Self-expression. It's, it's joyful and who cares? Okay. So you have gone from a 15 year old piercing person who pierced a lot and you've grown in so many different ways. I'd love to hear like the, some of the things that happened along the way that either jarred you or changed you, or you're like, Whoa, that was either a moment of, I don't know, divine intervention or like, like it was just a game changer. So the good or the bad or the ugly or the whatever, talk me through some of the things that got you to where you are. Yeah. I think, um, I think for me, like the biggest thing that has helped me get to where I am is resilience. And there's like a couple like key points in my life that I remember that have like helped make me a resilient human. And I think that that is one of like the most important char characteristics anyone can have. 
Um, so first would be like moving to Calgary when I was 18. I moved to Calgary with $300 in my pocket, um, a car and like no furniture, um, and rented an apartment that was way too expensive. I thought I'd be making more money than I was piercing who knew that there was only so many belly buttons you could pierce. Um, and I think that just like learning kind of like how to live on my own and like not rely on my parents at a pretty young age, like I was 18, um, was something that like really made me grow strong and like independent and like figure it out. So like at one point I had three jobs. Um, I was going to university at the same time. Like there was just this, like, I learned that I could do whatever I put my mind to. And I think that was like a really big moment for me. I don't think there was like a catalyst moment, but it would be like the span of two years where I really had to like become independent and become fierce and like take care of myself, which was really big. Um, the next one would probably be when my mom got diagnosed with cancer. Um, my mom and I had a really tumultuous relationship for a really long part of my life. She is Brit or she was British. She was older. Um, she was very proper. So having like a heavily tattooed, very outspoken, um, redheaded, like daughter was kind of like this. She loved me every way that she could. Um, but she, I was never the daughter that she wanted me to be. So when she got diagnosed with cancer, we had to have like a lot of really honest conversations. And those conversations allowed me to like speak my truth and like, I think build the confidence to advocate for what I wanted and what I needed in my life. And like set really, really firm boundaries with like how you can participate in my life or how you, or you don't get to be in it. Um, and you know, it was really hard. My mother was dying. Um, so I think that that was like a really amazing two years for us because we learned that like so many of the things that were in our way didn't actually matter. Um, so that was a big one. And then I think the last one would be my like infertility journey. So Bryce and I tried for like two and a half years to get pregnant and it is the most like isolating, horrible experience that I think that any woman can go through. And I don't think that we talk about it enough. Um, it is, you think that there's something wrong with you. You are like constantly ripping yourself apart. You are setting yourself up for this massive like failure every single month where you just feel like you're failing. Um, and I definitely had a fear of failure going into infertility and struggling for two and a half years. Um, so I think that that was a really big one, just like learning to separate like the things that just aren't working and that, like teaching myself that it's not failure. It was resilience. Every single month I would like keep trying and I would keep, you know, I, I love talking about this. So I'm like, hey, I'm raw dogging my husband. Um, sorry. But, uh, but I think every that's how babies are made for those of you who don't understand. But, um, you know, like it <laughs> there's, there's some reality there. If you're surprised by this, I've got news for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that like every month, just like being like let down and having to like pick yourself up every month and like rely on this person and like share your like fear and this like feeling of failure really helped me open up and become a better partner to Bryce also um, and become a more honest person with myself. So I think that those are like the three moments that I was really like, this like set me up for who I am today. It also probably made me like a nicer human being all three mm. of those moments. That's so good. I'm going to ask you questions about something. Yeah. Okay. So you moved to Calgary at 18 and you've got 300 bucks of a dream <laughs> and a whole lot of piss and vinegar and you end up getting multiple jobs. Like, and so you, one of the things you said is that you, it brought you, it taught you resilience. Now there's a lot of people who'd go into that and like crumble. So 
from what you can remember, what had you, what prevented you from crumbling? I, so I moved to Calgary to Pierce, um, and my parents were just like, so disappointed. Um, so there was no way I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. Um, so I had to figure it out myself. And so I think it was like that pressure of like, or like that gumption and like, like, like stubborn headedness of being like, I'm going to succeed at this. Um, so I knew that that is sort of where it came from. And then I think once I started to see things rolling and that like, I could actually take care of myself, it was a very contagious feeling. And I was like, oh, I'm independent as heck. Like, I don't need, I don't need no man. I don't need my parents. I've got this. I don't need you. (laughs) That sounds like a really beautiful upward spiral. And what you said with gumption and whatnot, I, it also sounds like you made a decision. Like this will be successful. hundred percent. This is, and I think that is, if I look at things where I've been like, this may or may not work. It there's a higher likelihood that it may not work. But when I'm I'm like this is happening, it's happening hell or high water. And you'll you'll go until you'll keep going and you'll push away the stuff. That, and if it doesn't work, you're like, okay, that didn't work. What next? Yeah. And that's pretty freaking cool. Because at 18, I don't know if I had the knowledge or the wherewithal or uh, I think I was really influenced by my parents' limitation. Like, uh, like they're like, you can't do that. You're too young. You're too young. You are a baby and you know nothing. And I think I really believed that. Whereas yeah. I think it sounded like you didn't. And that is, you get to decide how, how competent and capable you are. You get to totally. flex that muscle. You, no one else can really tell you. I was having a conversation the other day and I, someone had said, oh no, if I, if I want this in life, I have to date someone older than me. And I was like, who bought and who told you that lie? And why did you buy it and sell it back to yourself? You don't know. You have no idea. And so uh, anything that you believe, anything that you have in your mind, whether like for me, (laughs) I thought I couldn't do anything at 18 and Sarah (laughs) left with $300. (laughs) And it's about the decision. And is the truth that you, like, she could have believed, you could have believed your parents. Truly. And instead you said, ah, I don't think so, sir. I was like, yeah, I'm actually going to go make this work. Thanks though. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I, it's, it's so fascinating when people are able to do that. And it, it, what it tells me is that it's a decision and you can totally. choose to believe what your parents say or you, or your peers or your boss or your team Anyone. members, or you can say, is that, is that really what I want? And do I choose to subscribe to that belief or paradigm? And if not, see you later, Totally. I'm, I'm going to go pierce belly buttons. <laughs> Go pierce every belly button in Calgary. Every belly button in Calgary. Okay, and I'm also. I are you comfortable talking about your mom? And yeah, of journey? course. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, totally. Okay, just just making sure. So, it, I mean, what I've learned about parents and like childhood trauma, because almost everyone has it. Because yeah. as a as a little being, you don't have the nervous system or wherewithal to really understand how to co-regulate. And if you've got parents who've got certain constructs, sometimes they put them on you. And oh my god, I've also heard. Uh, your children can be your most worthy opponents, like your greatest teachers, the things that you need to learn in life. And it sounds like you might've been just that. Or your Carol, le- Carol learned a lot from me, whether <laughs> she liked it or not. That is so funny. I'm also simultaneously like sad, but true. <laughs> no, it's um, great. It's great. And, it, and it, it goes to show that you can really open someone's like probably eyes and heart in ways that they weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, so you said you had some really difficult conversations or challenging conversations. How, like how did those arise and how did you go about them? Yeah. I think that like when 
you're met. Like, I didn't want to leave anything on the table with her. We didn't know when she got diagnosed, she was diagnosed at stage four. So we thought that she was going to have like three months to live. Turns out she had like two, two years almost like she, she's as stubborn as I am. Um, and she wanted, she really wanted to make it to my wedding. She didn't, but that's okay. Um, but that's but, a will. It goes to yeah. show what will can do. She was like, I'm sticking around whether you like it or not. Um, but so when she first got diagnosed, we we're like, we've got three months. Like there is no point on sitting on anything. Like I want to spend every minute with you, but I also don't want to be fake. And I don't want to show up in a way that doesn't feel right. Um, and I think both of us had just like left a lot of things unsaid for a really long time to keep the peace. Um, and I loved her. Like I loved her so much, even when we weren't getting along. Um, and, you know, we just both sat down one day and we were looking through, I remember, like the week after she got diagnosed with cancer, she's like, come over and look through my purses. And I was like, you're not dying tomorrow. Like, I don't need to take your stuff yet. Like, it'll be there. And she's like, no, like, it's important to me. I want you to be like taken care of coming over and look at my purses. And like this woman, ha woman has like hundreds of bags. They're all in here now. And I love every single one of them. Um, but we were going through them and I talked about like how, I just really respected her, like her hard work. My mom was like this incredibly hard worker. She moved to Qatar when she was 61, 61 or 62 with my dad to go teach. And um, it was, you know, her goal in life was to travel the world. And it was a way that it was like accessible for them to, to travel. Um, so she was a professor at the university over there for seven years and they just like travel the world. So she was an incredibly hard worker. Um, and I shared with her that, like, that was like one of the things that really inspired me to work as hard as I do, seeing how much it's done for her and like how much it's better her life and my life and my brother's life and my dad's life and everyone around her. Um, and you know, she shared with me, she's like, I love how courageous you are. Like you go after something and like, even if I don't think it's the right thing, you're going to go after it and you chase it until you get it and you become a master of it. Um, and so I think it kind of like started with conversations like that. And then, you know, it was like, these are the things that you did in my life that really hurt me. Um, and these are the times where I like, didn't feel like I could show up as myself because I felt like you disappointed me or I was disappointment to you. Um, and like, she told me that she had to like go to therapy because I got tattoos and she felt like she failed as a mother. Um, and it was like, mom, like they're just on me. I haven't changed who I am. So it was just, I think it was just like having those like real and raw conversations with her that allowed us to like pull down all the, like the smoke show and the, the, the mirrors and whatever the blankets and mirrors is it curtains and mirrors, um, that people have up in like a relationship to like keep the peace. And we just got to this like really incredible place where we're like the next two years were so good between us. Like we could laugh at things that we'd never been able to laugh at before. We could share more together. I enjoyed spending time with her. So like, I would want to spend time with her. Um, and then when she passed away, like it was, like it was resolved. Everything like felt good. Um, I mean, it felt horribly sad, but it felt so good in the sense that like, I didn't have anything left to say because we got it out there. That's so powerful. Like think about how much, how much do we adjust ourselves to try to keep other people happy? And we don't actually know, like no. it's, it's a best guess. I, I mean, you, everything that you, I think my favorite thing, and I've probably said it a million times in this podcast is everything we do on organism's behavior is a function of the organism and the environment in which the organism is in. So if you want to change the behavior of the organism, you change the organism hard to do, or you change the environment and the environment can be how you talk to each other. The environment can be the 
physical location that you are in or the whatever's in the air change. Like, I mean, you look at even social engineering of behavior, like how Disney has certain sense, how certain things are done and laid out, how, you know, your exit in certain stores has all these fun little things along as you, it's designed, (laughs) it's designed to get a certain behavior out of you. And if you can do that in those settings, why can't you do it in others? And it sounds like you really create, like it, it takes boldness Mm -hmm. it takes boldness to, to be willing to have those honest conversations and, um, a willingness to be wrong about your preconceived notions. Like it is scary. Like having some of those tough conversations, even with my sisters or what have you, it's, you don't know how they're necessarily going to react because you think, you know, Yeah, and you could actually be surprised. So wrong. Totally. And I always think that like those tough conversations, and I even say this to like my staff, as long as you're going in with positive intent, it is like, you're doing someone a favor. Like feedback is a gift and it is so kind to be clear. Um, and if you're not setting those clear expectations and you're not sharing your truth, like you're doing everyone around you a disservice. Absolutely. And if you are not trying to share your, okay, this is a dating story from recently. Ooh. Uh, yeah. So his, I, whatever. It, very interesting. Lucky you, you get to be featured on the podcast. I won't say your name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it, his feedback was like, I feel like I couldn't be myself around you. And my question was, did you even try? Yeah. And I was like, you think, you know, who I am and you have, like, you don't. Um, so you actually don't know at all. He's like, yeah, but I just, I was scared to try. I was like, and that's on you, not me. So you are clearly not where you need to be to be in a relationship probably with anyone. But I was like, if you're not willing to try to, to, to open up and be you, that's probably a heart softness problem. And like, uh, whether you love yourself or have confidence or whatever it is, uh, but it, it, how limiting, how mm-hmm. limiting could that be? Cause you don't know what's on the other side. Like you could have revealed yourself to me and I could have been like, well, trash, hot garbage, you're but the chances of that being true I would say even people who I find quite opposite to me I can find very endearing and lovable for their differences and often people we're more the same than we are different as people even if we have vastly opposing views and I'm like oh like there's there's so many people that I love that that would never enjoy the things I enjoy I'm like so you don't like theater well that's that's too bad. It's too bad. Too bad for you. Too bad for you. I'll just go by myself. <laughs> but it, it goes, it, you being willing to, to just show yourself and, and not it, one, it's nobody's, it's not your business, what people think about you. So mm-hmm. you can't really find out anyways. You'll never know what's going on inside someone's head. And so why not just show up as you are? And that even leads into your, your, uh, what your comment earlier about being in the world of like, that online space and sharing your story and creating a community, had you not shown up, had you not just been like, Hey, I've had body things. I've dealt with this. I'm on this cool journey. Look at the fun lunch is I eat. Like people, people like that. And because it feels real and connected, not necessarily, you're not sitting there being like, here's my $8 billion house. (laughs) Here's my tiny shack. Come check it out. (laughs) Um, And I think that that's been like the most fun thing. And like, also like one of the most interesting things about like the whole influencer space recently is that people are shifting away from that, like oversaturated white and like beautiful, crisp, clean house to like real humans that like, you just want to be friends with. Um, And it was like, I was really lucky when I broke onto the internet um, that it was like that time where people are like, oh, I actually just want to see like real people in their sweatpants. Amen. 
<laughs> sign, sign, sign me up. Sign me up. I, I like it, I want to, I want to know what you're like when we go to coffee. Like that's kind of when I look at people on the internet, I'm like, yeah, this be who you, who I meet if I, we went for coffee together. Totally. That's what I really like. Okay, it's too it, exhausting to not be. It, that's another point that I forgot. I wanted to touch on when you are in relationship with a parent or a sibling, like you, how you said that you and your mom were really opposites and you're, you're trying to fit around that one, your nervous system is going to be shot to mm-hmm. shit because you're living in, if, if you follow polyvagal theory, which is like, there's dorsal vagal, there's ventral vagal, it's fight or flight. Ventral vagal means you get to be like all connected and loving and gushy and like everybody is a golden retriever and we like them. And dorsal vagal is flat out survival. Like you might be playing dead, sleeping. I say playing dead, but what I mean by that is like you're napping instead of doing something. Cause that is the only thing that will calm your nervous system. Gotcha. Anyways, um, with this ability to where, wow, I just got caught up in that dorsal vagal. I was like, did I, I, I found myself doing the dorsal vagal bullshit lately where I'm like, <laughs> everything's going sideways. So I just sometimes wrap myself in a blanket <laughs> like, and <laughs> let just, me huddle. Let me huddle. Uh, yeah. And so now that totally jarred my thoughts. Apparently that's the direction we're going now is I, I whatever, it. whatever I was freaking out about is that, um, but getting back into that ventral vagal space where you're able to connect and be real, uh, when you're safe and in that ventral vagal portion, your ability to have meaningful and connected relationships shifts and changes. If you're in your dorsal vagal, you can't connect. You don't have meaningful relationships and everything feels really stressful. So when you're faking who you are or adjusting who you are, cause you're in survival and your, yeah. your nervous system is like, mom's not going to like me. I'm going to get in trouble. Uh, I'm not liked for who I am. I'm not accepted for who I am. Um, and that's, a terrible. It's a yucky it, feeling. It's a gross feeling, and your endocrine system thinks you're going to die. Yes. Your endocrine system has a stress response that's like, "Yo, this is you might this could kill you," and truly, it's not going to kill you. But your <laughs> endocrine system does not know any better, and so we are in these super hyper stressed states, and we can't even form those meaningful bonds with the people that do love us and care about us naturally most of the time because of however, or who they are to us yeah. uh, or, or how they're connected to us. But it's like, wow, how exhausting. Imagine being in a stress state at all times. Uh, we would like travel together. And like, I remember when I was like 19, she didn't actually know about most of my tattoos. So we would like go, I think we went to like California together. Um, and I just wore like a high necked hoodie the whole time, trying to like keep them hidden. And she was like, why don't you like, why don't you take your sweater off? I'm like, no, I'm cold. It's fine. It's like 107 degrees out. I'm just like sweating. She didn't know I smoked at the time. So I'm like, want a cigarette really badly and I'm sweating and it was like not a good it was terrible it was really not great <laughs> no and no. It, like this so the stress of hiding it and then you don't really have there's no shot in hell at having a good connection with that person no. even if they are your opposite totally so that is so cool that you were having those honest conversations and there's a little line of sight into polyvagal theory which is one of my new interests <laughs> I love it <laughs> like, <laughs> You did biological genetic evolution stuff. I did neuroscience. So, oh, wow. Oh, from a psychological perspective. So it wasn't all science. Science. I wasn't all labs and brains. Uh, those were not for me. That was not a, <laughs> that's the moment I knew I should never be in healthcare labs with parts. You're like, I don't want those. I was like, this sounds, this smells like from hell to hide. I gotta go. I love that smell. It makes you hungry. <laughs> Ew. Does it's it? Like a, yeah, it's like a real thing. It like triggers a hunger response in your brain. 
I don't know if I had that experience. <laughs> That's all, fair. I, all I remember was that it felt really sharp in the back of my sinuses. And I was like, make it stop. Make it stop. <laughs> I don't like, I don't like my, this. My nose hurts. <laughs> oh, okay. So fast forward, we get into space where you meet Bryce and you went from not wanting to be married. Not. To, I, I love you on the second date. Like, <laughs> <laughs> my friends were so confused. I think I went for like girls night the night after. I'm like, so I have a boyfriend and I'm in love. And they're like, What? I'm like, yeah, they're like, we just, you were just on a Bumble date six days ago. He's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new one. Don't worry. He's gone. So what, what do you think shifted for you? I don't think that I'd ever met someone as genuine as Bryce if from like a partner perspective that like was as open and like fun and like just he, Bryce made me, makes me feel safe. Mm. Um, and I remember on our first date, like I just felt so safe with him. Um, I had come out of like a really horrible relationship and I was convinced that like I was going to be a spinster I got a dog like I was like I need nothing I need nothing but this dog I can kill spiders I don't need a man um and he just made me feel so safe and so taken care of um in a way that I had never experienced because I don't need that I am very independent but in a way that like felt good Mm. um and it felt right and Mm. it just like I don't know our like lives just like meshed really well together I just, all I keep thinking about is this polyvagal theory. I was like, so what he did for your nervous system was, (laughs) but this is, this is interesting because it also points to something that being single and in this dating world right now, when you go and people are like, I want butterflies, it's actually the opposite of feeling safe. Butterflies is a sign of your adrenals kicking off, which can be good and bad, but that's, that's, I, for someone who's independent, who left on her own what went to go prove herself like I'll, I'll say prove herself in the world be like make my I can do this and you can't tell me not like prove like I'll sh-, like not like uh from a totally security you know what I mean I but to go from that to someone who makes you willing to receive yeah. like you're safe enough to receive with this person is a pretty what a incredible pairing it was so wild like I'm not a cuddly person by any sense of the imagination he is the only person I want to hug in the entire world um like I hate hugs and I love and I love hugging him like it is my favorite part of every single day oh that is so sweet (laughs) oh my god this is good for me I needed to be in this this is this is good for me it's also such a teaching moment for me where I'm like when I feel safe with people pay attention Totally. Pay attention to the people you feel safe with. Yeah. And there's two ways you can really feel safe with someone. One, you actually feel safe or two, you, they feel familiar. So you know how to handle them. So do you feel safe or does it feel familiar? And it sounds like you felt safe. Safe. Yeah. Yeah. That like is I, so- just, I felt like he would like never hurt me and I still feel the same way. And I had just come out of a lot of hurt, um, like a year prior. And so like, I was like, he will never ever do this to me. Um, and I felt, I think that like when I can share openly with someone on a first date, even though we had known each other for years, we like didn't know each other, but like when I can just like really sit back and like be my weird self, um, is when I like, I knew that it was, it was good. That's so fun. Yeah. That is, I, <laughs> I feel so good right now. Yeah. This is amazing. Okay. So you went from that and not wanting kids and now you went for fertility treatments. So <laughs> like that, that's quite the shift as well. So what, and so this goes to show also, I have had a few conversations with women who are like, I don't want kids. I'm going to get a uterine ablation. I'm going to do all this stuff. And I'm like, hold your horses because you don't know yet. You don't know yet. So mm-hmm. I would love to know how long did you not want kids for? 
how old were you when you changed your mind and whatever the journey's been since then? Yeah, I didn't want, I think, I think I wanted kids when I was like 16 because I really liked some names. Like I was like, it'd be cool to name my kid Harley. Um, <laughs> but I don't know that I ever saw myself as a mother. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of that was that I had never seen someone that brought that out of me or I had never been with someone that like instilled in me that I could actually do it. Mm. Um, and part of wanting kids was I think that I'd be like robbing a child of having the most incredible dad in the entire world if I didn't help Bryce have a kid. Um, and I, like, I just like, I want to see him as a dad more than I want to see myself as a mom. Um, I, I'm going to be a great mom. Like I, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a good person. I know in my head what's like right from wrong. Like I've got strong morals. I think that I'm going to be a great mom. Um, I'll always be there for my kid, but Bryce is going to be the most incredible father in the entire world um and I just I think it was that it was like getting to know him and like he's always wanted kids he also put no pressure on me like we had that that conversation right off like pretty quick in our relationship where I was like I don't think that I want them and he's like that's cool well like I'll never resent you for it he's like I want my life with you if we have kids great if we don't okay um don't put pressure like he didn't put pressure on me which I think also made it really easy for me to be like, okay, just kidding. This is actually what I want with you. Um, and so like, I'm so excited now, obviously, and I can't wait to be a mom. Um, but more than that, I can't wait for him to be a dad. Oh, everything about this makes me so emotional. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I'm moved by who you see Bryce as like, I mean, again, I've met him like for five seconds of my life. And I was like, <laughs> I love him for you. This makes complete, when you meet people and then you meet their partners and you go, that makes complete sense to me. Like yeah. it just, it, it just made so much sense. <laughs> and there's people I like, there's friends I have that I'm like, you're like, I don't, I don't get this. Should we place bets on when this ends? <laughs> like, it's awful. But I knowing him briefly and the, the, the how you interact uh, together, both like how you talk about him and also how, what I've seen you guys in person, it's so it's magical to witness. Oh, it's okay. it's magical to win. Oh my god, it's okay. Me and you both. I don't know what's <laughs> happening over here. I'm like, is it a full moon? There's some kind of eclipse. I don't know something. <laughs> I, I'm. So for me, I haven't had feelings in a long time and uh, <laughs> I decided to give therapy a whirl and uh, turns, yes. out, it turns out I have feelings. It's that nice. was, it was a surprise. <laughs> I was like, why are people sad? <laughs> just, you, was, just get up and do something. <laughs> go get up and do something about it. Distract yourself from your sadness. Yeah. yeah just get busy. And my family would tell you, Clarissa, you're so busy. You're distracting yourself from your emotions. I'm like, no, you are blinded by your emotions. <laughs> And turns out they were right. Yeah, no, I mean. sorry. And now I am being like gushy over your love life and I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Oh, thank you. We're, yeah, like it's, it's exciting. It's fun. And um, the next year and a bit is going to be, I mean, the next 18 years is going to be wild, but like God, newborn baby, what am I going to do? I don't know, but uh, hi, I, <laughs> I'm sure I live in the same city. I'm happy to come visit. <laughs> I steal people's babies at parties. Feel free to drop by whenever you want. And I've literally never changed a diaper in my life. <laughs> like never, not once. I don't think I've ever held like a baby. Mm, Poppy, my like best friend's baby mm. um, was the only like newborn I held. And I think she was probably two months when I held her for the first time. Like babies terrify me. And there's one inside of me. 
Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's really weird. Like you're it okay. So do you believe in souls? Like that you have a soul? I think or a so. spirit or something. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. So so it's something. So get this. This this is something I heard recently and I was like, <gasps> okay, so if we believe in spirits or souls, that you if you die, there's a part of you that like is not Lives dead. Up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a part sure. of you that's not dead. That means you are a portal from the spiritual <laughs> realm to the physical realm. You're a portal. <laughs> I've been called worse things. Um <laughs> like it's amazing you are cooler than a spaceship that's like pretty cool i'm like do you think like its soul is already in it or do you think its soul comes out when it's like born i don't well so here's the thing if it can hear you because remember how you said you can can hear me now hi so so what like i don't know i i read some stuff on when people think it happens and i don't i'm like none of you agree so i really don't know but it's so bizarre I, and, and like different cultures and different traditions, like some, there's some, um, I don't know, there's, I can't even remember what culture it is, but they won't name a baby until it's like a certain age because it's huh. not, they don't know if it's fully staying here. And so they won't name it. Wow. Cool. And I don't, I wish I remembered what that was. I remember learning about it and being like, well, that seems really pessimistic. I don't know. <laughs> I think I would still, I, it's kind of like when it, it's like pretending you won't get hurt if it dies. I'm like, if, oh if your God. baby is born and then you wait for three weeks and you're like, well, if I don't name it, I'm like, no, <laughs> you're, like, you're think, attached to that thing. I think I'll still be sad, but maybe perhaps due to cultural differences, there's just not an attachment that happens right away. So maybe that's different. I don't know, but it was fascinating. So to me, but I feel like when my sister gave birth to her babies, so oh, she has who two is now. Like, the little girl is the yeah. cutest thing oh I've ever God. seen in my her life. Name's, her name's Harlow and we are best buds. I um, love her. <laughs> she's, a, she's my adventure kid. My sister and her husband are, uh, not nearly as rough and tumble adventurous as I am. And I would say I'm not rough and tumble. So that (laughs) gives you some lenses on that. But I can remember recognizing that she had a spirit or she was like, she had personality immediately. There was things that were very uniquely her that wouldn't have been trained or taught into her. And so I was like, okay, so you came out this way. So at some point this happened and I don't, I feel like it's in you. If the baby can hear you, how can it not already have the spirit? I don't know. I don't know, but it's, uh, it's really bizarre. cool. What do you think? Okay. I mean, okay. So it, well, it just reminds me of this. Like, do you know who Trisha Paytas is? I hate talking about her. She's terrible, but I don't Trisha Paytas. So she's like, this like really old YouTuber. She's not old, but she's like been YouTubing forever. Oh God. Um, and she yeah. just had a baby. Um, but she, they're like Twitter exploded because they thought that she had a baby the same day that Queen Elizabeth died and that Trisha Paytas uh, named her baby Elizabeth. Not true. Trisha Paytas' baby is na- named Malibu Barbie for real. Um, but so Twitter- I have thought, questions. <laughs> I know, right? Um, but Twitter thought that like Queen Elizabeth's spirit went into Trisha Paytas's body or into baby, um, which was kind of funny. So then that made me think that like, well, it must happen like when it comes out, but- I mean, it already can like think, like it can yawn and it, like, I don't know if it can think, but it can hear me right now. But it's, yeah. Oh, you know I don't know. I don't know. That's, I, I mean, it, I'm sure people will have comments in the comment section if they Can't choose. Oh. <laughs> oh, does the baby have a soul? Um, that couldn't light anybody up at all. <laughs> there's no conversation. I actually remember seeing that post. I was like, eh, but it reminds, there was, there was, I think it was some Aztec cultures that used to use uh, babies or children at certain ages as child sacrifices for gods for certain reasons like that. Or yeah, 
I'm so glad I don't have to face that. Like if I had, if I got to choose a time, if my, if my little self was like, Clarissa, what year, what era? Ooh, what would you go back to? I don't know. But right now it seems pretty okay. Like, I mean, there's still stuff that's not great, (laughs) but I'm not faced with child sacrifices or at least I don't think I am. I'd like fifties all the way. Like I want to go to sock ops and I want to drink a milkshake with like my boyfriend in a, in a, in a and, diner and, yeah that's the word and like diner. wear roller skates oh and my set my hair uh and a poodle skirt well that sounds great and then yeah. have no rights and also probably be cheated on by my husband so that sounds terrible but you know but you'll be very kept <laughs> <laughs> so you could just I don't know I, that could be no, good I, could I would been. start a revolution you would you would yeah. be the reason the 70s happened can't wait let's go back oh my let's go back I think I would pick I really love big band jazz like if you could take me back to the eras of big band jazz I love that I love the events I love I love that so many people played instruments yes I love I love love music I love when people are in like when we go to family gatherings and someone busts out their instrument I'm like this is why I'm alive oh my gosh you should come to my family gatherings all the time my dad's in like four bands yeah your dad's really cool. He's single. Just kidding. I mean, I'm not kidding, but that's but weird. <laughs> I found the love of my life. <laughs> Could you imagine? Oh, I mean, it would be something strange like that for me at this point. I'm like, that's unusual. That's so unusual. Oh my God. Okay. So i not, you don't have to disclose anything, but have you guys considered names? Yeah. And do I- you have like a list and you're like, yeah, I don't care. Oh. Um, so for girls, um, Sullivan or Winslow, <laughs> right. So cute. Um, and I'm convinced it's a girl. Uh, I would love it to be a boy, but I'm convinced it's a girl. And then if it's a boy, um, probably Bridger. How do you spell that? Like B-R-I-D-G-E-R. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Cause he'd be like, Bryce and I are both jacked. So we just are assume that our child's going to come out just he comes out six four and like pencil thin (laughs) that would also be that's really funny yeah so I think those are ours for right now and then like family names for middle names so Neplin for a girl and Thorbold for a guy oh that's so cute yeah we like we I became super sentimental Uh, I mean as I told you I started I saw a therapist now I have feelings and I've (laughs) always loved symbolism but now symbolism just makes me cry so when people have names I feel like when you can carry on something it's what a what a what a tale to tell and I also like if if we have magic wand Clarissa has multiple babies they're going to be connected so I want them to have a tie forever to them to each other that they don't have to publicly announce but it will be something that they know that and if they want to disregard it because they hate each other for the middle of their youth because often teenagers don't get along um it's something they can ignore and then they can come back to. But I was like, I want all of their names to mean the same thing. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, there's a, it turns out that means I have to name my kids a lot of Hebrew names, but yeah. Mine's, Sarah's Hebrew. There you go. But there's like, there's names like I have to learn how to say. Oh, gotcha. I, I, I'm like, Oh, I, that's a great idea. I like it's, it. Yeah. And it, like my sister, when we were talking about her second baby coming, uh, she was like, so we were talking about how I would name my baby. She's like, wow, something that keeps them together. So they each have two middle names mm-hmm. and their second middle name is the same. Oh, I'm I like, like I just want family and connection and feelings. And like, I don't know if I got to have life the way I wanted it, I want, want it. It will be like open door. Anyone who wants to come can come. And like, 
you come be nice. If you, I, I thankfully I don't have any mean people in my life, yeah. but always an open door. And totally. that, that is just family, family or chosen family. Yes. Uh, you open door, welcome. but also like, let me know that you're coming over. Yeah. Don't just show up. But I mean, like I at Christmas, oh my God, <laughs> you want to create paralyzing anxiety in my body. <laughs> show up. It's terrifying. Like 99% of the time I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, um, Hey, hey internet. I live alone. Uh, <laughs> so, so I, uh, share my location with a few people. Yeah, um, fair. And, but if someone, my cousin who's like, I'm just going to stop by. And I'm like, for what reason? <laughs> Why are you? Like it's, it's never good news. You're I never just dropping off a casserole. I was wrong about this one. She was like, oh, will you be my maid of honor. I was like that what oh, that's cute that's cute it's adorable but I was like um why are you like I need to come over today I need to come over today I was like someone's dying for sure I please can can we meet somewhere safer <laughs> like, not, <laughs> not my house where I have to hold my feelings and your space later but yeah don't drive by it but at Christmas when we have gatherings and you know it starts at three you can come at three yes totally <laughs> 100% I like that that's my favorite thing okay so do you have any family traditions that you love or things that you want to create we are not like a family tradition family at all. Um, Christmas Eve is like a big one for us, I guess. Um, so Christmas is on Christmas Eve. And I think that that's like probably our biggest one. Like we, like, as we got older, we would all like drink and build puzzles together. Um, I hate puzzles and they make me like so angry. Um, but it is something that we do very often as a family. Um, so that's like a good one. Um, that's like a good one. <laughs> These puzzles that I hate, but. And now you can't, you can't even drink. You're pregnant. You're you're screwed. uh, What am I going to do this Christmas? I don't know. Um, (laughs) And then like New Year's Eve has also always been like kind of family time. Um, Just like spend the family, spend the the night with like the family and like sing weird Welsh songs. Um, Are you Welsh? Yeah. My mom was Welsh. She's from England, but she's Welsh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, So my grandpa used to like, we'd like stand around in a circle and sing these weird Welsh songs that I actually like, don't know the words to I'd have to learn um but I feel like yeah like this time of year is like very like holiday family time um which is nice uh so I think that like probably that one family tradition I'm excited to start is like actually dinner time we didn't ever do dinner time together as a family um and Bryce and I like whenever we we're home together sit down at like the table together and have a conversation and like eat dinner together um so I'm really excited for that with like a kid and to like talk with our day and like just like invest time into them. Cause I think that's something that like is really special and it's it doesn't how, take a lot of effort. <laughs> no. And it's connections powerful. Yeah. Like it can change a person's life. It sounds like you really value it. Yeah. Amazing. That's going to lead me to my next question, which leads into another question. So I'm very excited about how Can't this is wait. going. Okay. So you value connection. What else are, what else are some things that are super important to you in terms of values? Yeah. Um, trust is probably the biggest one. Um, I am not someone who trusts easily. Uh, and so once trust is broken, it is really hard for me to get it back. Um, so trust is probably like the biggest one for me. Um, and then just like honesty, um, Mm. which I guess like goes very similar, but like say what you want to say and say with your chest. Um, don't beat around the bush. I can like, I can handle your opinions. Um, and I'd rather have a conversation about it than like tiptoe around you because that makes me feel really awkward so I think honesty and trust are two of like my biggest core values and then just like goofiness like life is really short and 
if you don't have fun, like you're not doing it right. Everything that we do should be fun. We should have high five moments all the time and every day should have a dance party. Um, and I firmly believe that. Um, yeah, I think fun and like goofiness is like the most important thing that we can do. That's so fun. I, what I, I say fun a lot because it's one of my core values. Yeah. So I try to fit like, you know, when you are like, I just seem to really get along with people very easily I, or certain people. And yeah. I, was, uh, I was so curious to hear your, what you prioritized because mine are connection contribution, like make a difference and fun. Like those are the top three that are usually, if people have a couple of lulls overlapping, I'm like, I think I love you. Totally. And then, and then I go, I go crazy and then invite you on my podcast. Um, <laughs> And, but it's true. And it, so I'm curious, how do those things play into your leadership style in your world, whether it's online or yeah. in your role? Um, I think that like building trust is like the first thing that I do with any team member, um, or any person that like comes into my life. And I think the trust is something that you're continuously building, but I often like talk about how important it is to me. Um, and that I believe that trust is earned. Um, you don't just get to like start off as like big bag of trust in my heart, but like, as soon as like, I'll give you like pieces as time goes on. Um, and that is something that like, will always connect me to you. Um, so I, I think I definitely lead through trust and I lead through autonomy, um, and just giving people like that space to make mistakes and come and talk to me and like, let's learn from them and like, trust that I'm not going to be upset with you about it. And like, trust that I got your back. Um, and then I think that like, honesty kind of goes hand in hand, like just know that whenever I'm giving you feedback in any, like any person in my life, or like I'm sharing something with you, it's always coming from a good place. Um, I see that like honesty is kind of like an ATM, like you always want to like be depositing more. So like, giving it out to people sorry um you never want to be in the red um so just like giving my my honest opinions to people probably when they don't want it um and then every day just needs to be fun like in every weekly kickoff email that I send to my teams it's like make sure we're having dance parties and high five moments on the sales floor this week like if we're not doing this in a fun way and we're not making our customers feel excited or we're not you know in my online community like if we're not having fun we're not doing it right um so I think just like everything that I do, I bring back to those like three values and just make sure that they're connected and they feel right. And they feel good. And they feel alive in every decision that I make. That's so cool. And I, what's interesting is as you were saying, I was like, oh my God, you can't really have fun without having trust. No. And it's fake. It's it will. And imagine not fully being able to play full out and be goofy and be silly because you don't trust your environment. Totally. And, or your, or the people you're around and you won't, it won't be an authentic connection. And then the honesty goes down the pooper. Like it's, it's gone. And so try, I feel like having fun, it can be a generator of trust. Yeah, totally. I I didn't even think about that until this moment. And like, when you allow people to see your fun side, I think you build trust with them. Like you're seeing that like goofy, like really authentic side of yourself. And like, there is no better way to like build trust with someone or like keep growing trust. If you aren't doing that, you know, like just that that authenticity, I think authenticity goes hand in hand with like the bridge between trust and fun. Yeah. I love that. I love that. (laughs) I love, I'm going to, I'm going to let that sink in for a second. I like it. And I really want to point to the have fun part. I There's so much that's happening that happens that you're going to waltz through either whether it's happening in society or your day-to-day life. And let me tell you, in the atrocities that happen in the world, you could still find something good. You could still you find to. something fun. And it's how else do you endure or create resilience or grit? Like if you are just depleting yourself consistently, 
<laughs> like you are going, you're going to peter out. You're going to burn out. You're going to possibly be miserable. A hundred percent. And you can actually try, like, I found this, the role, one of the roles I was filling, I was miserable in, uh, for a variety of reasons. One, I felt like I wasn't making enough of a difference. I had a crazy boss, uh, whatever it was, it was rough, but I was, I realized I was like the, the only way this is going to get better is if I start making this fun. Mm-hmm. And what does fun allow for? Like for me, fun creates creativity. Yep. <laughs> like it allows me to be uh, like gen- uh, access parts of my brain. I feel like I can't get anywhere else. Totally. And it, uh, and it allows me to have better connection with people. And it allows me to make mistakes and not take myself so seriously. Cause if I can't make a mistake, then I won't even try to innovate. hundred percent. And like making mistakes is where you learn the most about yourself and about your surroundings and like what you can do. Yeah. Like it's so important. I, the first time what I think you were there was you and Suzanne when I had to lift something above my head and I had to drop it and I was so scared of dropping the barbell. <laughs> you guys made it so much fun that it was worth it was worth trying. Yeah. It was worth trying. And like I think that's where fun comes in. Is it it's a try on, not a keep on. Like totally. okay, like you can just try this once, just try it once. Just and then give you, it a shot. And well, then what happens else is you build trust with yourself. Like you got to, I don't know. There's something about consistency that I think is really amazing. Like if you can consistently have fun or consistently try new things or consistently, you will, all of those things that you value will just grow immensely. Yeah. They'll grow immensely. I remember like when I came up with like my core values, um, I, and I had fun in there. I felt like it was like such a cop out. Like, I'm like, this seems so shallow. Like everyone else around me is like accountability, resilience, uh, tenacity. And I'm like, fun um and it is like the one that I definitely think I live through the most I like literally have it written on my wall um it's like the one that I live through the most and like I exhibit every single day without fail um because the shit's too short without it no and it also feels so like when when you the person who suffers the most (laughs) is you like you can you can make your existence miserable (laughs) and who wants that I mean some people love their misery but Ugh, I just 24 like, hours feels really long when you're miserable. Yeah. Have you ever been really, really sad? And then you look at the clock and you realize you've only been crying for like two minutes, but <laughs> <Yes>. it's, about, <laughs> it's about like five hours. I'm like, I can't do that. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. But when you're having fun, you look and you're like, oh no, <laughs> I have to go. I do up in two hours. Like there's been times I was like, I, we had b- dinner meetings that went on for, we were having so much fun. And I was like, I, I gotta be up. But this is this is too late. But it it just changes your experience of time. And I yeah. think why I mean, not that I want to shorten my life, but I sure don't want it to pass in an agonizing way. Like you look at like old curmudgeoning old people that like just look like they're the worst time. And you're like, I, like, yeah, of course you just want to be dead at 85. But like I want to be 90 and salsing. Oh my God. I want to be, I don't a know sassy, how to salsa. I want to be a sassy grandma. <laughs> I want to be box jumping at 95 and still having a good time. I can't believe. So you're still working out like crazy. How far you're almost 20 weeks or are you at 20 weeks now? Uh, it, almost 20. Okay. Yeah. And you're still crushing it. Like how, <sighs> like, how are you still going? <laughs> I, uh, I, I have questions. <laughs> I think it is the hour of the day that brings me the most amount of joy. Mm. Um, and so for me, it is so worth it. And it makes me feel like me. I think a lot of people get like lost in pregnancy and lost in motherhood too. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like it, your life changes in a way that like you will never know, or like you, you don't know unless you've been through it. And 
I have committed to myself that like, I'm going to still carve out this like one hour for myself, like one hour out of 24 is not a lot. And it is something that I deserve. Um, so for me, it was just like me and Bryce kind of made a commitment when I first found out that I was pregnant, like this is something that I need to continue doing even on days where I don't want to, because of how much better I feel after. Um, and like once baby is here and I have it all clear, like we're going to carve at the same time that like I get to still like go back every single day and make myself a priority um, and not just a mom. Cause I, I don't want to get lost in just being a mom. I think that that was one of my really big fears of becoming a mother is like, I don't want to lose Sarah. Um, I still want to be me, but like Sarah, that's a mom. Yeah. It's when it's, it's having it be a part of your identity versus yeah. it being your identity. Totally. And there's nothing wrong with like those women, like the people out there that absolutely like that is all that they want in life. And that is like what brings them the most amount of joy and it becomes their identity. And like, that is awesome. And I'm, I'm never going to tell someone how to parent, but for me, like a big part of not wanting kids was I don't want to lose that part of me. So it's like a small compromise in a small way that I can ensure that like that stays part of who I am. And I still get to have my own identity and like outside of baby. Totally. And like, I mean, I have never, I don't, I'm not a mom. What the hell do I know? I'm not, I've never even been pregnant. So what, (laughs) what do I know? But I think like what, for me, what it's not like when I, I look at people who are like my grandma and one of my aunts whose identity was solely mom, Mm -hmm. uh, the recovery when your kids leave. Oh, so hard. It's really tough. And I was like, I love that you love being a mom. And the person who wanted to be a mom was you before you were a mom. Mm -hmm. So who, if we, if we always stay connected to that, like not necessarily be that version at all times. Cause let yourself grow and evolve and change. But yeah. I'm like, imagine like the person who wanted to be a mom the whole time got to be a mom, but who was that person before they were a mom? And that person still wanted all of that. So you can still have that. Like you totally. can still, you can still love that. And it was just telling to me, I had a coach once. Cause I was, I couldn't figure out, I uh, would say that I'm not a very feminine person. Like a, like the, tr- whatever the literary versions of, that's the best way I can describe it. Okay, fine. Fair. People, people yell at me for it. I'm like, listen, I just, I took an English class and I don't, I can't say whether it's right or wrong. I just know that's the description, <laughs> description for it. And so like, I'm not super flowy or graceful or like, um, I don't, I'm not good at receiving and like what, whatever else yeah. is described as all that stuff. And so I explored it because I really created an identity. I would identify with my independence Mm-hmm. And I would identify with um, doing it myself and not needing anyone because much like you trust is really important. And unfortunately I trust me and pretty much no one else. And even then, <laughs> I don't know if I trust me. She's, she, Clarissa, sometimes we, we ask her questions. You're like, so why did you do that? Uh, but I, I just knew that I could trust me more than most people. And I could at least yeah. yell at me and, and have an effective response after a good cry. Uh, and I would do something about it. And so shifting into that she's like I she's like you know you could you're actually not super like like uh, how you think you are yeah. uh what you what you don't like in the women that you identified as feminine is that they self-abandoned mm-hmm. and I was like oh right I saw you give up everything totally I saw you give up everything and I saw you go through misery and I saw you go through loneliness and I saw you have the hurt um that I've never I don't ever want to experience that I i I don't know if it was at a conscious level. I must've been at a subconscious level, but I knew it wasn't necessary. And so that the, your commitment to having that one hour a day to have it be a part of your identity and not your full identity, I think is, it just lands with me. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't want to, I don't want to give up who I am. 
And I don't no. think that you have to. And I don't think that mothers are giving up, but you know what I mean? Like I just, it's for me, it's that's, that's yeah. what scares me about it. And oh my gosh. Well, and you can get like, I mean, you're, you are a doer, right? So yeah. it could be easy to like, these are the things that need to be done and get locked into that, that, that completion thing, which becomes solely focused on baby because I mean, it really relies on you to live. So mm-hmm. I could see that becoming the thing. And, but it's, it's good to know that like, you're, you're willing to have your identity shift, but you yeah. also know what's important to you to keep you the version of you that married the man that decided to have the baby that totally. like made this all in choice. And I think that's really cool. Basically, I'm just trying to compliment you. So oh, thanks. <laughs> you're, I appreciate so, it. you're so welcome. You're so welcome. What are you looking forward to most with this? So you've got what, like you're halfway through and I, uh, you're going to, you're, you have this kick-ass job. So I want to know what you're looking forward to over the next little bit as you transition through this job and going through and then transitioning into motherhood, like what you're looking forward to in the job and what you're looking forward to in motherhood. Um, I think that, oh, I have a really hard time stepping away from work. And like, mm-hmm. I was talking to my boss, the other one of my bosses the other day, and I was like, what are we going to do for a year? And she's like, you're going to raise a damn baby. Like, that's what you're going to, you're going to be busy. Um, but so I think for me, for like, what I'm excited about, about work is like watching someone probably like someone has to step into my role and it's probably going to be someone that's on my team, which is really cool. Like, it's really cool to watch someone else come in and like also manage this group of people and probably do completely different things than I would have done and lead in a very different way. And I, I can't wait to see like what a different leader does. I've been in this role for two and a half two and a half years, three years almost. And so just, I think that change is like really invigorating. And I've had a very similar team for three years. So like, it's going to be really cool to just like see that happen, then come back to it. Um, So that really excites me. And then I think the thing that excites me the most about like becoming a mom, other than like becoming a mom is like literally getting a year off. I've been working full-time since I was 14 years old. And I know it is not a year off and everyone says this, but like, to like, be able to like not, I don't know, just like to be able to like do what I want around a baby um, for a year, I think it's gonna be really cool um, and really good for me because it scares me a lot to not work. And so I think it's gonna be really good getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Totally. And what do you think about not working scares you? I don't have, I don't have a way to like measure my success. Oh yeah. I'm one of those people. Like I need to like know that I'm doing a good job. And so like, I have a report every single week that tells me how I did. And like, I'm like, this is how successful I was this week. And, uh, I don't have that anymore. You're going to need to bait your baby to create a scorecard. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to need, I'm going to need to like give Bryce to like, give me weekly gold stars or something. And like, know that I've done something. Um, I'm also really excited to like spend time nurturing like my online community too. So like, while I'm taking a year off, I get to like be a full-time content creator for a year, um, which is going to be really cool. That is, and it, what a change of pace and imagine what, like, I mean, some people have, what do they call it? Like their first year, their brains melt, um, because they don't get adult interaction. I don't think that's going to be you. I, I think it thinks I, oh, I don't, <laughs> you're, you're so involved with so many things that I just, I, I mean, yeah. Okay. Fine. You might be more tired. Yeah. I'm um, exhausted and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but I don't, I think you'll, what a change of pace. And I think it'll, it'll bolster creativity in a way that is unexpected. Yeah. I think that it's is, really healthy for me. Yeah. Forced change. <laughs> <laughs> forced growth. You have, you have to do this. You have no choice. This is, and what do you think scares you the most about, uh, leaving? your job temporarily 
Oh my gosh. Um, not having something to measure myself for success against a hundred percent. I think that that is like, what's I, I like to know every month that I've done a good job. Um, and I also think that there is like a part of me that like, worries that someone's going to come in and do this job way better. And then I'm not going to have, like, it's going to be hard to go back to it. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of things that really scare me. Um, but I think the biggest thing is like, yeah, not being able to measure my success. Yeah. That is, a, that is the one thing that leaving university rocked me because mm-hmm. I knew, I knew how to get A's. I knew how yeah. to get pluses. And then I go into the workforce and I'm like, I'm sorry. How, how do I know? How do I know how I'm doing? How yeah. do I know? So th- and at my first job, there was like a, not, there was not a lot of measurables. It I, like, there wasn't, there was one it's had hard. sales targets. And I was like, so, but like, how do I know I'm not going to get fired? <laughs> like, how do I know? And I, the truth is it's Alberta. We'll pay you out if we want to get rid of you. If we don't like you as who you are. So we'll, we'll but we'll just I, get rid of you no matter what. <laughs> we'll just see you later. <laughs> I mean, sometimes that's necessary, but um, <laughs> like, yes. you need to leave. And you're not. Um, but in the same breath, I was like, okay, so I had to, I had to reevaluate what I created a success. So I ended up doing my master's, getting having a near death experience in it, and having to pause my master's. So casual. I was working casual, casual. I think five months off in one year because I got so sick. You guys, here's a fun fact: appendicitis in the 20th century <laughs> can kill you, and if you think it's shoulder pain, it may not be. <laughs> This shoulder thing is really bad. I've had some bad, there's there's trauma around my shoulder in so many ways. Maybe that's what, you know, what's funny is the one that's injured is the same shoulder that was hurting. Maybe it's just trauma. Oh man. You gotta talk to Mel. Oh, I gotta talk to Mel. I I don't know if I want to, that'll be very confronting. Maybe that's exactly what I need. Okay. (laughs) Um, yeah. So it's like not having that measuring stick and having to change everything. And I had to learn it. Uh, to enjoy being beingness. Yeah. And I was like, that is hard. <laughs> yeah, because I really, I, I, it, it sounds like we're similar in this way that my, I link my worth, link my success, link my mm-hmm. feelings of fulfillment to seeing progress, seeing the yeah. needle move, seeing that I made a contribution that's measurable that I can touch in some totally. way. And sometimes healthy, sometimes not, I, not healthy all the time. That's for damn sure. Oh God, it could be so bad. It could be so bad. But then uh, realizing that there was things I loved because they existed. I was like trees. I mean, okay, fine. Oxygen, whatever. Uh, But they don't do, they're not sitting there like encouraging me, high-fiving, but they're existing. And their beingness is what I appreciate. And my niece, she's more work than she, she doesn't take care of me. She doesn't cook my meals. I do that for her, (laughs) but her, her beingness, I enjoy so much. I just love her for who she is. And I was like, oh, so that is something that I need to learn <laughs> that I don't have to measure the doing this all the time. Yeah. I have to like the being Sometimes the being this. Yeah. Well, I'm excited to hear about your journey with that because <laughs> I could probably yeah. learn. I yeah, could probably learn so. Oh my gosh. It's going to be wild. There's going to be And like lessons. routine. I love routine. I go to bed at 745 every night. Like what am I going to, I sleep for 10 hours every night. What am I going to do? I don't know, but you know what? There are people who have magic babies that sometimes just sleep through the night. So maybe you have a magic, maybe, maybe your baby will need the same kind of sleep you do. It's used to it. Yeah, maybe. Or it'll be what you did for your mom. (laughs) A nightmare. (laughs) A worthy opponent. (laughs) A worthy opponent, a refining opponent. I like it. 
Amazing. Oh my gosh. Well, this has been such a treat and a treasure. Well, I can't, I looked at the time and I was like, did I ask anything? (laughs) (laughs) I knew this was going to happen. It's exactly what I wanted. That's amazing. Um, so you've done some incredible things. You've made some incredible changes. You measure your doing this and you're exploring your beingness and waltzing away from this conversation. What are some things that you want people to like think about, know, or take away from this conversation? Oh my goodness gracious. That's so much pressure. Um, I'm going to measure it. <laughs> I think that remember to have fun. Um, high five a friend is like a big one for me. Um, and it's funny because we do that every single day. Um, and just like, remember that life is, life is really short and you shouldn't have any regrets. Um, so say the thing that you haven't wanted to say, say the thing that you wanted to say, but you've been too scared to, um, and stand up with, for what you believe in with like your full chest, like just get it out there. Get it out there. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for your time. I'm so grateful you agreed to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me. uh, If you want to follow her, she's hilarious and she's wildly findable on the interwebs. So where can people find you and follow along? Yeah, um, it's Cutcake on Instagram. So C-U-T-C-A-K-E. And then on the Tiki Talk, it is uh, cut.cake. So C-U-T dot C-A-K-E. Very fun. Well, I'm excited to watch this whole thing unfold and of course, visit Snuggle and generally enjoy (laughs) your company and your baby. Can't wait. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Again, thank you for being on the Be Better podcast and we will chat soon. Thank you. The stop record button. Where are we going? There we go. If this podcast has landed with you, served you, provided value, please let us know. Give us a like, subscribe, share it with a friend that you know it will make a difference for. We are here to be a contribution and a service to others. We cannot wait to see you next time. Thanks again for tuning in. Take care.